This is Dave LaGreca of Busted Open, and I know two extremely passionate fans about AEW, Paul Zartman and Tanner Lee. That's right, Paul and Tanner. I love what they bring to the table on the Kicking Out Podcast. That's right, the Kicking Out Podcast with Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman. Are you listening to me? If you want the latest on AEW and you're an AEW fan and you want to get the scoop, you listen to Paul and Tanner right now on all podcast forums. I'm talking, you go to the podcast store, you lay down your money, and you buy the Kicking Out podcast. You do it now. If you love AEW, you'll love Tanner and Paul. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Another episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Paul Zartman. And a big thanks, a big shout-out to Dave LaGreca of Busted Open on SiriusXM Radio for taking the time to do that intro for our podcast through Cameo. Really cool. Gave us a nice little LaGreca rant that he's famous for. Yeah, it was actually uh, – you sent it to me the other day, and I am I just was not expecting that. Um I mean, I wasn't sure what to expect with Dave because it's Dave. You never know what's going to happen, but it definitely was nice, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, didn't give him much direction, just kind of told him what our podcast was about, what our names were, and that we wanted to use uh, the video for an intro on our podcast, and he just went with it, did a great job. And I'm a big fan of LaGreca. I really like their show on SiriusXM um, and the podcast they have every day. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that with that, it's uh, time to get started. Absolutely. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, we have a episode 247 of Being the Elite titled The Lawnmower to go over. We have another great episode of AW Dynamite that took place last night down in Jacksonville, Daly's Place. But to open up the show, a year ago on this day, um, we got the first pandemic episode of AW Dynamite. Yeah, um, I remember that there was some speculation of what was going to happen, and the open fired, and Cody walked out to the ring and delivered a great promo, a heartfelt promo, and things took off from there. Well, you got to remember, it was so surreal watching it, you know, with no crowd. Um, we didn't really know what was going on in the world, or we didn't know what to expect. I mean, a year later, we're still learning about this virus and adapting to it. And to look back at that night, they pulled off a pretty remarkable show. Um, Of course, they had two big debuts. Brody Lee was debuted as the exalted one. And then Matt Hardy uh, debuted at the very end of the show uh, to kind of make the teams up for what would be the stadium stampede, which was originally supposed to be the blood and guts match. Uh, Two awesome debuts, but, oh, I still get goosebumps just thinking what could have been with a full crowd. If there would have been a full crowd there, that place would have erupted at either one of those two showing up. Well, especially for Brody, being that that episode was supposed to be in Rochester, New York, which was his hometown. Yep. Which, uh, as you'll notice, I've got my Join the Dark Order shirt on tonight in remembrance of that. 
always very fitting, especially right now as we talk about this topic. But uh, so that's that's a, one th- a bummer. I mean, of course, it would have been nice for Matt to get a full house in a debut a year ago, but especially for Brody since he ended up passing away late 2020. Um, and now a year later, Matt Hardy's in a whole nother character as he's a heel yeah. in Big Money Matt instead of Broken Matt. You know, and I sit there and I look back at it, and I don't know how well his debut would have done uh, since, you know, they had him kind of teleporting down the empty arena. I don't know how that would have worked with fans. Well, if you remember correctly, the teleportation was the next week. Oh, yeah, my bad. Segment, the, this one was just kind of Matt Jackson took the mic and said he made a call to a friend, and then we saw Vanguard 1 or whatever that was called I, it's been renamed uh, times. yeah um, vanguard one i think yeah. still at the time and then matt showed up on the balcony which that place would have exploded uh because you know it was so hyped with his weekly youtube show that had the bucks in it and kind of teasing where he was going to end up after his release from uh, uh wwe last year so yeah Got a comment here from Zach Hinton, who's been one of our loyal viewers the last few weeks. Uh, he says, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa with a lot of clapping emojis there. And uh, put about 10 more clapping emojis because that's what that main event last night deserved. And we are definitely going to get into that as we proceed uh, through this podcast. Yes, definitely. Cannot wait to talk about that one. Uh, any other thoughts from uh, a year ago last year in that first pandemic episode? Uh, you know, I don't think they knew what to expect. Um, nobody expected this thing to last a full year, uh, and it's still going at this point to an extent. And I, you know, I think AEW's done a fantastic job with this last year. Well, and I think uh, they uh, rescheduled some dates for some dynamites this past week, and I think it's kind of a hint on when we can kind of see them maybe start to get back on the road as long as everything stays as it is now or, or proceeds to get better going forward. If if I if I understood correctly by my kind of observations, I'm thinking August September ish is when we can kind of expect them to get back on the road and get some bigger crowds going. Yeah, um, that's kind of how I'm understanding everything that I've been reading about it, too. Not that I've had much chance to this week, but um, yeah, it's seeming like mid to late August, early September. It's a lot of those shows that they had scheduled. The I think it was Boston, um, um, Rochester, New York. Uh, there was another one that got rescheduled. They got pushed back to September, I believe, all three of them, so... Uh, but like the Rochester one's been rescheduled like four times now. Yeah, so, yeah, which is frustrating because every time they push it back to where they think it's going to be a safe date, it just hasn't hasn't been. Yeah, but it'll be interesting. I mean, WrestleMania tickets um, went on sale today. Now they did yeah. scale it back. Originally, they were going to try to fit like forty five thousand Raymond James. I believe it's going to be closer to thirty thousand now, like the Super Bowl was. I think the uh, Tampa Health Department said, "Ah, we're not." We're not doing that, so so we'll see. Uh, maybe a lot depends on how that goes. If, if but once again, that's an outside venue, so uh, I really don't think AW is going to get on the road till they till they really deem it safe. No, and I got to give them credit; they're playing it safe. Uh, I'd love to see them traveling right now, but at the same time, I'm glad they're playing it safe and just realizing, you know. Sure, we could travel, but not every state has the same restrictions. Uh, some are stricter than others. We don't want to try to have to 
let fans down and say, oh, we're going to be here, and then only we're allowed to have our crew members there and wrestlers. And not only that, I mean, if you, you know, go to an arena on the road, sell it out, say in Texas or Mississippi or one of those states that's really open, even Florida, and a lot of people test positive from the event, you kind of have it publicized as a super spreader, bad, bad PR, especially for a company that's pretty new. Yeah, especially since that same company gets a lot of uh, backlash for the things they're already doing. So I definitely am glad they're just taking the route they're taking. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be the first, I don't think. And um, I I think the first one's going to be Dana White, UFC. He's saying he's ready to pack a a full arena. So, uh, And I say if I'm pro wrestling companies, I say let Dana go because – he can take the heat if it goes bad. If it goes good, great. Maybe it opens up more companies and more events to try to happen. But if it goes bad, let Dana take the fall. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. So, all right, enough talk about that. Let's get into the week that was around All Elite Wrestling, starting with episode 247 of Being the Elite, titled Lawnmower. Fitting title for this week. Uh, We start off the episode in the EVP room. We see uh, Christopher Daniels cracking jokes. Uh, causing the others in the room to laugh loudly. Matt Jackson slaps his leg while laughing, and everybody stops. Matt Hardy uh, then is on camera, points to uh, the sign about the new rule. He's enforcing no leg slapping while laughing. It's a reference to WWE's do not leg slap when kicking rule during matches, which is actually real. It's a real thing. They just kind of started enforcing. Uh, Hardy asked Christopher Daniels to enforce the rule, and it's and it's a $500 fine. Matt ends up paying up the money. Nick thinks it's a weird rule to have, and Hardy responds, you young kids are obsessed with slapping your leg, and it's an easy way to make some cash. Nick then says, maybe that's why VKM did that as well. Matt (laughs) jokes, this place is getting too corporate. (laughs) Yeah, uh, nice little segment. I always like how they find ways to take a stab at Vince without directly taking a stab at Vince. Yeah, they find creative ways to always uh, take a stab at Vince in WWE and poke the bear and have some fun. I mean, it's been on record. Most of the talent in both locker rooms are, are pretty friendly with each other. It's more kind of management that doesn't get along or doesn't see eye to eye. So, yeah. We then uh, take a look back at Adam Hangman or Hangman Adam Page uh, wanting a new lawnmower when the Elite nearly received a sponsorship from Chili's. Uh, after beating Matt Hardy, that's what he ended up spending his money on. The new purchase is shown with Dark Order standing around uh, Hangman while he sits on his new ride. Yeah, uh, Hangman got his lawnmower. It's a nice <laughs> lawnmower. I think it's called the Snapper, I believe. Uh, I don't know. Starts with an S. I didn't put it down in my notes, but <laughs> uh, we then see uh, Stu Grayson's not happy with Hangman for shoving him. He says only uh, Anna Anna does that. Uh, Hangman clarifies that he's terrified of Anna. He only did it because of her. Then Stu get, gets it and forgives him. Uh, Hangman then runs down some questionable purchases he found on his credit card bill that the group made. Page said he's fine since uh, they had his back at the pay-per-view. The group heads off, but Colt Cabana stays behind and asks Page if he should pay for the group's pur- purchases. Page says yes, and Colt does so. Well, of course Colt does. He's, you know, it's Colt Cabana. And he's the ve- he's the veteran of the group. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stu and Evo Una are veterans too, but I think he says kind of like you wanted me to take care of the kids or something like that. I don't, I don't think he mentions purchases. And Heyman says yes. So right. 
Yep. Uh, then we see Matt Hardy enjoying some grapes like he has been the last few weeks as private party uh, talks to him about the recent victory. The group brings some wine over uh, to the butcher, the blade and the bunny, but they don't look like they want to party. Private party asks what's up with them. Hardy says they're a little different, but they are celebrating right now. They just celebrate in a different way. Hardy thanks the group and says the Dark Order will eventually be destroyed. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm ready to see this come to a head. Uh, it's not so much that I'm anti the storyline. I just, uh, I, I'm ready to see Dark Order do something different, and I'm ready to see what Matt Hardy's group can truly do. Yeah, Matt Hardy's definitely become a staple of BTE every week. Um, yeah. I mean, some of it's not as entertaining as others, but he's definitely on there. Yeah. Then we see you know. uh, Maki Ito singing with the Dark Order and dancing around in the background. Everybody's dancing except Stu Grayson. She sees them dancing, stops, and says, wow, terrible dancers. I'm keeping that PG for the show. Uh, and, he, and she gives them the middle finger and, and walks out. Yeah. Uh, now, see, here. here's – I'm – AEW and Tony Khan do so well at long-term storytelling. Is Anna going to come back and be mad that she's there? I mean, I know she's planning to go back to Japan soon. She's already back to Japan. But does she come back and then hang out with the Dark Order again? And does that set Anna off? I think if she comes back to AEW, we'll see more bits with her in the Dark Order on BTE. But Anna's already upset on Twitter. She's taking it out <laughs> on some of the guys. So Yeah, just imagine when she gets healed and gets back there. It's got to be a while, but they'll they'll keep her around on, in bits like this just to keep her relevant yep. and, and within the storyline. So. And she's not going to forget about it by the time she comes nope. back. So Stu's going to get an extra show. Hard Chev, I got a feeling. Yep. Yep. And Stu and Evil Uno were the latest guests on the, the Unrestricted, AW Unrestricted podcast. And he kind of mentioned that uh, whatever girl comes around to the group's going to always shove him. So mm-hmm. we then see Ortiz on the phone talking about the Dark Order. Ortiz then says he has to get some sleep and has a dream of that features him walking backstage. I knew where this was going before it even happened. You can just tell by the vibe. He walks the hall hallways as we see something following him. It's members of the dark order and Alex Abrahante is dressed like Freddy Krueger. That's exactly where I thought this was going. Uh, he's chasing him around. We cut the dash dash of talking on the phone and getting choked out by Anna J. Then she falls asleep. Sammy Guevara wakes up and he's suddenly outside the Daly's place. The dark order chases after him in the car. Uh, then we, uh, See Santana uh, goes to open a bottle of uh, Goya adobo seasoning, I believe is how you pronounce it. It blows up in his face. Then we see go back to Ortiz. He's still running. He trips and hurts his ankle, but Abrahantes rolls rolls up on him and stabs Ortiz. Ortiz finally wakes up with some of the same seasoning that Santana had in front of him. Uh, Says it was just a dream and then sees Abrahantes chase uh, or no sees the claw next to him uh ortiz screams and runs off it was a great segment i mean like you uh, i'm a horror fan so i knew where they were going with this um i knew we were going to get something freddy krueger related but it was nice little twist on it and i gotta say it's nice to see sammy back on bte Yes, it's nice now that he's back on TV as of last week to get him back on. I mean, it was a cheesy segment, but that's what BT is. It made me laugh, and you yep. can tell they're having a lot of fun with it. So then we see Ryzen looking around uh, backstage for a jacket. Nyla and Vicky go around and take random things from the other wrestlers. The group sells the items and makes a bunch of money from them. A masked wrestler walks by, and they beat him up and take his mask. 
yeah. Still, I mean, this is, it's nice that it's taken this twist. I'm still just not 100% sure how I feel about all of it yet. No. Um, I mean, we will see Nyla Rose in a match next week against uh, Tay Conte, but I'm with you. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not huge on this bit, but is what it is. Uh, we then see Private Party showing off their new dr- drink called This Ain't Water. This ain't Wada, I should say. It's how they, how they say it. Uh, then we see a tipsy Hane man show up, and the two aren't happy to see him. Paige says he just wants to talk. Paige can't believe they are paying Matt Hardy 30% of their money along with third-party appearances. You're independent contractors, but you're exclusive. How, how does that make any sense? Kind of another dig at WWE in a way. Uh, Hane man says along with the Butcher and the Blade, uh, there are four of them and only one of Matt Hardy. They could do something if they ever got the courage. Paige says now that he uh, has come into some money, he wanted to make things right with Quinn and Cassidy. Paige finally pays up his $12 tab. That was from over a year ago. They they turn around, they count up the money. As they do that, Heyman takes their drink and heads off. The two bicker about if Hardy is owed 30% and suddenly realize their bottle was taken and run off after Hangman. Yeah, um, interesting segment i've brought it up in the past i thought they had a bte match that hangman won so they he didn't owe the money anymore but hey at least he paid it yep it is squashed now over with but now they'll be furious with him for taking their drink but what they expect i mean hangman's a he loves his alcohol so yeah yeah so that, that's going to do it for uh, the recap of this week's uh, Being the Elites. We'll see what episode 248 brings us next week. So and for everybody listening or watching that's not familiar when BT drops, it drops every week on the All Elite Wrestling YouTube channel about noon, around noon, a little before noon on Mondays. So it's yep. nice to watch on your lunch break if you have time. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely something nice to watch. Um, not always at noon sometimes it's you know 11 30 11 45 but definitely you can almost plan your lunch around it one way or the other and one 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 thing i enjoyed paul no uh, good brother segments this week yes i was gonna say that it was nice to uh it was a little more family friendly this week than it has been the last few weeks sure was sure was and uh yeah we didn't get some of their usual jokes so that was kind of kind of nice to get a break from that Yes, I'm sure they'll be back at it uh, next Monday, though. Uh, you're probably right. Uh, last night's AW Dynamite, another fantastic show. The show opens with uh, a shot that says earlier today, we see MJF and his new group arrive to the airport, getting off their private plane, and they all get into a limo as they head to the venue, all dressed up to the tee with suits, looking sharp head to toe. Very Four Horsemen-esque feel to the group. Yeah, um, it was kind of for me. It was that mix between the Four Horsemen and Evolution. Yep, yep. Which Evolution was kind of a play off the Horsemen. So yep. it all kind of stems back, and I'll have more comments about that when we get to their promo. Oh but yeah. The opening match, uh, which was advertised earlier throughout the day yesterday, as the opener was Pinta El Zero Mito against Cody Rose, of course, with Arn Anderson of the Nightmare Family. Um. I got to be honest, Paul, I was expecting more out of this match. I was too. Um, I was, you know, they built it up just in a week's time to seem like it was going to be this huge feud. Kind of a letdown. 
It was. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, Penta took a lot of offense from Cody, and Cody just couldn't put him away. I mean, Cody hit him with a uh, uh, Canadian Destroyer, Crossroads, a Vertebrator, and just couldn't put him away. But what really hawked me off kind of in this match was towards the end of the match, Cody wraps Penta's knee around the ring post, working on his knee, then they get back in the ring. Cody locks him with a figure four. But Penta got to the rope break, and then Cody goes for a second figure four. Penta counters into his arm breaker with Cody's bad shoulder, which every time he hits one of these arm breakers, opponent really sells it, a lot of pain. We see Cody barely sell it and then roll him up for the one, two, three. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. Sloppy end to what should have been a fantastic match, in my opinion. I just. I, I thought Penta deserved the win. I do too. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, I'm of course willing to see where this goes, but I just didn't like the no sell by Cody straight into the roll up finish. It just didn't sit well with me. No, it still isn't sitting well with me today. And I'm a Cody fan, so mm-hmm. I mean, oh, me too. Is. But I, and I'm not gonna compare him to Triple H like I see a lot of the Twitter world doing, but. There are times it's like, man, he he could eat a few more losses here and there. Yes, he could, and um, I honestly think he should. I mean, it would have been a great way to start the feud, having Cody lose, and then Cody questions himself. Um, but we just maybe we'll see something. Maybe they'll get a rematch where Penta will say, you know, uh, I was cheated. I want a rematch, and and then we'll see Cody take the loss. Zach uh, Hinton on Facebook's agreeing with us. He expected a better showing between the two. Yeah, definitely should have been a lot better uh, between the two of them. And hopefully we see, uh, like I said, a rematch between the two of them. And hopefully then we see a better showing. Yeah. Post-match, we did see Pinta attack and uh, swinging away on Cody. Then we see the gun club and Dustin Rose, all of the nightmare family come out and uh, make the save as Pinta toss them at ringside. Then we see QT Marshall come out really late of the tunnel, um, walks out, makes his way to the stage, asks Cody if he's okay, and the group is asking Cody or asking QT why he wasn't out there to help earlier. Yeah, um, just, just turn QT already. It's I a, mean, we know it's, it's a slow coming. turn. Yeah, it's it's it it's, is, but it's honestly I hate to say it. It's something that needs to be on dark or even elevation. Yep. Yep. Have him do it after one of his matches. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Um, but I, I gotta say Penta has so much swag. My goodness. Yes. Do you see, uh, him in his hat later on in the show? Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So he, he put a hat on two different times during the show last night. So, yep. Yeah. He's, uh, he just oozes charisma and swag. I, I love it. So, uh, then we get a backstage segment. Uh, Alex Marvez notes that Pac and Ray Phoenix still have a big title, tech team title shot against the Young Bucks. Matt Jackson says they have lost, they've both lost single matches to Ray Phoenix, but this is a tag match and they are still the best team in the world. Then we see Uncle Creepy, Don Callis, show up and ask them how their dad is doing. They ask him how his eye is doing. Callis finally admits he was just faking the black eye, but felt like maybe they should have kicked him. Callis says Matt and Nick aren't the same guys he saw in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Matt and Nick have 
may have founded the company, but he doesn't see anything elite about them. Don continues to say they have killed their careers and are letting others take over. Callis mentioned Kenny Omega, says he has a way up, and those two are way down in the basement. That's why he doesn't pay any attention to them now. Callis says they're just another tag team in fancy tights that are living off their name and then tells them to look in the mirror and ask themselves if they're really the same guys who dominated New Japan. We started to see shades of the New Japan Young Bucks once upon a time. Um, and then we got a pandemic. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him try to bring that back as the crowds start to return, maybe get a little more aggressive. Not so, I mean, they'll still be high flying just because that's their style, but I think we'll see the return of the aggressive young bucks. It'll be interesting. I thought we might, I, I thought that's maybe where the things were leaning, but a segment later on in, in last night's show that we'll get to kind of prove me wrong, at least for now. Yeah, and again, I think it's just a just for now. I think it'll change soon. We then uh, see Jade Cargill, uh, her second match in the company, as she faces Danny Jordan, who, a um, little backstory on this match, Danny Jordan just faced Red Velvet on Dark not too long ago, and she was taunting Red Velvet for not being able to beat Jade Cargill, and then Red Velvet beat her. Then she's in the match with Jade Cargill and suffers the same result as this is a quick match. Cargill pretty much talks some talked some trash and flexed at her. And then uh, Cargill did eat a back elbow, but then she dropped her opponent with a pump kick. Uh, she hit a big release German suplex. Um, and she lift and dropped to Jordan with a finisher that looks to be called the Jaded for the one, two, three. And then post-match, she goes right into the ringside crowd, says something to Red Velvet. Velvet swings. Cargill dodges it. The two jaw each other some more as uh, Bryce Rinsberg, referee, uh, gets Cargill to head to the back. So that feud's definitely not over. No, it's not. And um, I'm ready to see him go one-on-one. Uh, I mean, we got him in ta- mixed tag match last time. So I think a one-on-one match is coming pretty soon with those two. I do too. I If, if I'm AEW, I don't have Jade Cargill lose for a long, long time. I mean, I, no. I book her kind of like a, like a Lesnar. I mean, that yeah. just destroy people because she's got the yep. look. Oh, yeah, and I think that's exactly what they've got to do. Otherwise, all this build up for what? I mean, if they, if they build her correctly, she and two ladies that we're going to talk about later on in the show, even though one of them is not technically a talent of AEW at least yet, I think they could be the faces of the women's division. I mean, the the women's the, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save all my women's division comments for later on the show. I don't, I don't want to ruin okay. anything. <laughs> uh, we then get a clip from last week seeing – MJF's new group, because we didn't know the name yet, uh, take out the inner circle from last week. Uh, real quick, Zach Hinton here on Facebook says China booking. That yeah, I like that. Yes, Booker like the WWF did with China years ago. Yeah, and I even um, in her debut mixed tag match said, you know, she reminds me a lot of the new age China. She could be this generation's China. Yep, they uh, it's got to be smart with her, and I think they will be. So, because they got something special in her, I believe. Yes, they do. We see MJF and his new group come out to the ring. I loved how Tully Blanchard was the first to get on the mic. Um, he recapped last week's attack in only a way Tully could. He says that they are at the pinnacle of wrestling right now. Tully says he started with the greatest group of guys, talking about the four horsemen, four horsemen. and he plans on finishing out of his career with the greatest group. Then we see MJF get on the mic. He calls himself Judas. Nice little touch to the betrayal and to Chris Jericho's interest music. Uh, 
Yep. MJF says he's the most charismatic guy in, in, in wrestling. And he had to sit in, or sit and stand and wait behind Jericho for six months. So he did what he had to do. He dealt with Jericho's comedy, but he was plotting the whole time. MGF says Jericho never saw what was coming because everybody thought MGF was trying to take over the group. Ultimately, he wanted to kill the inner circle from within and build an even stronger faction. MGF says the group is now known as the Pinnacle. You can get that. Uh, their brand new t-shirt on shopaw.com. Uh, he then runs down each member of the group and hypes them up. And, and you know what this reminded me of? Earlier you said Evolution. This reminded me when Triple H debuted Evolution back in January of 2003 and introduced Dave Batista, Randy Orton, Ric Flair, and himself. That's what this reminded me of. Yeah. Um, although that's always been kind of triple h's thing because you know him and sean were the original dx and um when sean left due to his back injury and he built the big dx he introduced each and every one of them and who they were and their big talents and all that stuff so i i think that's kind of a, just a triple h thing but yeah definitely had shades of triple h when he did that he then finishes the promo um getting to himself and he says he's only been on national television for a year and he's the most talked about guy in pro wrestling. He continues that he has another 25 years in the business and when it's all said and done, Jericho won't be the goat. It'll be him. MGF closes with his, I'm better than you and you know it, which is the first time he said that in a while. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's nice to hear it after so long of not hearing it. It was. He also took some shots at Jericho. Uh, phys- physique uh, and uh, bald or uh, his hairline and, and, his, and his pecs and everything. So it was it was pretty interesting promo. Yes, a good absolutely. good promo. I liked it a lot. I thought yeah. it was old school vibes. So I thought thought it was good. And I don't mind the name of the new group, the Pinnacle. It, it'll it'll grow on me. I think. Yeah, and uh, I gotta say, I mean, I know we've always talked. MJF is great on the mic. He seemed to be a step up last night, and I'm guaranteeing you that's guidance from Tully. Yeah, and I think he's got to be going forward. If he's going to be the leader of this powerful group that should be booked as the most powerful group in AEW for a while, a group that all the fans want to see get beat and can't wait till they get beat, but that they, they need to win for a while and, and, and rack up the wins and, and get some dominance going. Uh, Zach, again, on Facebook, he's got a question for both of us. Are there too many groups in AEW? Good question. Ooh, that is a good question. Um. I think they need to stop with where they're at. Um, I've talked since really the formation of AEW when they added Marco Stunt to Jurassic Express when the, the Elite was three members. I think the goal at some point is to have a six-man tag title, and I think that's why they're building these groups to find out you know, what groups are going to work well together. Who should we put the belt on? Who shouldn't we put the belt on? Um, but I don't think they need to add any more, especially right now. I agree. I agree with you. And when things start really opening up, they're going to probably lose some of their talent that they have uh, on dark. Yeah. And everything. So that might uh, change the outlook on anything. But I agree. They got some really strong factions and some that aren't so strong. I think I think they got a good number right now because uh, – yeah, you had too many more, and it's just like, geez, is everybody going to be teamed up and not on their own? So, Yep. 
Uh, speaking of teams, we got a tag team match between uh, the Matt Hardy Empire, as they're calling it now. Matt Hardy, the Blade, the Butcher, and Private Party with the Bunny against Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Nice to see Bear Country get some time on Dynamite last night. But I got to be honest, Paul, I just couldn't get into this match for whatever reason. Uh, no, I, I focused on um, filling the fish tank during this match. I just <laughs> <laughs> um, just... I had no interest in it whatsoever. It, it seemed like I was involved in some text message conversations going during this match. And then you got the picture in picture and it just was, it, did, it was a, I know when a match is good, when I completely have to put my phone across the room or something and it's got all my focus and this match didn't make me do that. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. There was some good spots in it, but overall there was just way too much going on. Um, for me i mean really the one of the highlights was uh uh bear country threw marco stunt over the ring to kind of missile dive on the group outside and he darn near could have broke his neck yeah about two inches i mean they were two inches away from dropping him and he would be landing right on his head yeah that was very scary was that very- was yeah that was about the only thing that truly sticks out to me of this match honestly yeah i was and i mean there was some back and forth luchasaurus did look good i will say yeah towards the end of the match uh, marco stunned up tagging himself in during some confusion with his team uh isaiah Casti hit a big boot on him then stunt threw a bunch of kicks at private party but hardy smacked stunt in the back to allow private party to hit the gin and juice then of course big money matt won the tag so he could come up and clean up the pin uh he was waiting for him to get up so we get the twist of fate marco's out from the gin and juice so then matt gets him up himself hits a twist of fate for the one two three then after the match we saw jurassic express and bear country kind of arguing at ringside which they couldn't get along during the match itself right so. And really, I don't know why they had these two team together because the only reason they even intertwined and had like a a relation was from the uh, uh, revolution over the top tech team battle royal when they threw yep. uh, Luchasaurus out. So, yep, yep. And see, this is one of the things that frustrates me when we talk about Jurassic Express. Uh, and it's not even Marco stunt. I know you're not a big fan of Marco, but I'm that's not. not my problem with this. Is we get this big build of jungle boy who looks almost unbeatable. And then you get a match like this with him. Well, you can tell they really want to build Luchasaurus and jungle boy, of course, because whenever they're in th- uh, six man tags, Marco always takes the pin, which is the right mm-hmm. move. I still think though, and I know they're going to have to play this out for a while because when fans come back, they like these guys and they want to cheer for them. I still can't wait till we get a heel Luchasaurus. Yeah, I know it's down the road a ways, but I think once they break up, that is the perfect way to go. You have him turn heel on the group, and then yeah. and then um, Jungle Boy and Marco kind of go on their own direction too. But because Jungle Boy is going to be one of the biggest faces of not only the company but professional wrestling in in the next five years. But and Luchasaurus is so talented, I think he could be a monster heel. Oh, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I agree. I can't wait for that. I think. Um, I think that's why they keep testing Jungle Boy and all this singles action to see what the fans like about him. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be Luchasaurus that turns heel. They definitely like pumping Jungle Boy's new interest music, which is fantastic. And and they bought it, so they might as well. But they use that now for Jurassic Express um, yeah. entrance. So. 
We then see a backstage promo with, gosh, I love this tag team. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I, this is the team, I, like I said last week, I didn't know I needed, but now that we right. got it, I'm like, where's this bit? Um, exactly. They're getting ready for their tag match against the Good Brothers. Moxley said he's not feeling super good after what happened at Revolution, but it's time to go to war again. Moxley says time to fix the real problem. That's the Good Brothers. Moxley then uh, mocks them a bit, says he doesn't like them. It's not just because he wasted money on talk, talking shop mania which was funny. Uh, <laughs> he then says uh, it's time to get a little more serious. This isn't the Impact Zone. This isn't the Tokyo Dome. He calls Doc and Carl cowards, and a coward dies a thousand times. Moxley and Kingston are soldiers and only die but once. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just such a good segment, really. <laughs> and they make fun of Gallo's look. They uh, call him Forky. Are you are you familiar with who Forky is? Yes. I was going to say, you got kids. You're probably familiar with him. Um, he is a character from Toy Story 4. And for everybody watching this, or for everybody listening, you need to go watch on our YouTube channel, our Twitch channel, or our Facebook page, because I'm going to put up a picture of what Forky looks like. And it just makes me laugh out loud because Gallows does kind of have some forky looking eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad uh, they went with Forky and not, uh, you know, another name that we don't know if WWE still owns or not. Correct. But, I mean, they, they brought up New Japan. They brought up Bullet Club multiple times. They to Sweden brought up, hey, another group used to do that on TNT, referencing the New World Order, the NWO. I just think sometimes these guys do whatever the heck they want. Yeah, and the best thing about it is it wasn't a traditional too sweet. I mean, it was just kind of a lazy, oh, yeah, no. here we go. Huh. And this was a taped episode, they, so they could have edited out anything they wanted, and they left it in there. Yeah. So they, are, of course, their compliance people know a lot more than we do. So Right. Uh, then we get another backstage segment. Um, we see Dasha talking with uh, Christian Cage, and she asks him what brought him to AEW. Christian says when a wrestler busts it inside the ring for more than more than anyone else in the roster, that's called a workhorse. Christian says he's not a workhorse. He is the workhorse in professional wrestling. And if anybody forgot about him over the past seven years, he'll remind them quickly when he gets in the ring. Cage then says there's only one spot that interests him, and that spot is occupied by Kenny Omega. Uh, Cage then says he's got, got to go let uh, – I cannot read my own typing here. He <laughs> says he uh, got to let Omega last week um, know that he's on borrowed time and that he will see him down the road. But first, he needs to pick up a few wins in AEW. Cage says he's in AEW to cement his legacy and to put in action those three simple words, outwork everyone. Yeah, uh, I texted you shortly after he said this last night. Um from the get-go last week, we even talked about, you know, well, how do you feel about Christian going straight for the title? Well, looks like he's not going to, which is nice. He does want to come in, prove that he can outwork everyone and earn his way to that belt. I still wouldn't be shocked if that is Omega's opponent at double or nothing come May 30th. But between now and then, we need to see Christian wrestle quite a few matches. Yeah, and, um, you know, who's not to say he doesn't beat Omega, but it's not for the belt. It's for a shot at the title at a future date. Could be. Could be. They're going to have to do something. But, I mean, they got plenty of time. They got over two months to build to it. So we will see what happens. Yep. 
We then get the matchup between John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers. Of course, just like they kind of refer to in their backstage segment, they're tired of the Good Brothers being around every corner. They attack John. Or they attack Eddie Kingston right when he's making his entrance out of the tunnel, and then we see Moxley come in and make the save. Uh, they're brawling quite a bit, but really the Good Brothers had the upper hand in most of the uh, majority of the start of this match. Um, a lot of action back and forth uh, towards the end of the match. We see Eddie Kingston uh, eat a punch in a back suplex and a cutter combo. Doc went for the cover, but uh, Moxley um, or Doc went. For, this was Mox Moxley that took this, and Doc was uh, going for the cover, but only got two counts. Then Eddie Eddie Kingston uh, clotheslined Doc over over onto the floor, and he then Kingston got sent to the barricade. Uh, then Moxley out of nowhere gets the inside cradle for the one two three. <laughs> the inside cradle. I'm tired of it, Paul. Uh, twice last night we had this thing. I it's becoming every week. It's like uh, the inside cradle's a good move um, on occasion. Yes. I like to see smaller guys use it against bigger opponents. Yes. You know, that's what I think of when I think of the inside cradle is, you know, Ray pinning Batista with it type of thing. Um, but it's just, it's been overused so much here lately. It's the one big downfall I have with AEW right now. Yeah. It's uh guarantee. We see one next week by somebody. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully uh, Tony gets his fix of inside cradles and says, okay, guys, no more for a while. Uh, fingers crossed. That's all I could say. Uh, post-match, we see the good brothers beating up Moxley immediately after the bell rings. Kenny Omega's music hits and he's strolling out, really enjoying his music. Uh, with Don Callis, of course. Omega has a chair in hand. He sits up in the middle of the ring. Omega sits down on the front of Moxley. Uh, then Eddie Kingston comes in, knocks Omega off the chair, and gets taken down and takes a magic killer from the Good Brothers. Omega gets his chair back. They put it around Eddie Kingston's ankle. Carl Anderson then goes up to the second row open, stomps down on it. Omega yells like a madman by uh, Kingston's face and boots him out of the ring. We then see Kenny Omega... Put the chair around Moxley's throat, but the Unbucks run out and tell Anderson to get down from the top rope. Omega tries to get up and do it, but Matt gets in the way. Uh, the Good Brothers go for a two-sweet with Kenny. Uh, the Unbucks are jawing with, with Omega. Kenny joins in with a hand gesture. Matt and Nick say no way, and they walk out of the ring. Kenny then grabs Matt, spins him around, puts a two-sweet right into his face. The two yell at each other, and Moxley comes in after he woke up swinging wildly with a chair that cleared out the ring. Uh, Eddie Kingston's demanding the doctor and the referee get him in the ring with Moxley, but they won't let him go in because of the injury. Eddie finally uh, claws his way in to talk to his friend as we go to commercial break. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what this is going to lead with with the Young Bucks. Um, I mean, are we going to get the Bullet Club versus the Elite? But then, you know, who does? The Elite doesn't really have anybody in it anymore at the I moment. I know. You got the Bucks now. Yeah. And, I mean, because uh, yeah. Main Man's broken off. Uh, Cody hasn't been involved with the Elite for a while. Cody hasn't even been on the show. No. He's on Sammy's vlog now. Yeah. Full time. So uh, I, I don't know. I, that's, I, I think this is leading to a Good Brothers Young Bucks match. The Good Brothers dropped Impact titles, the Finn Juice. Um, at Sacrifice last week in the Impact pay-per-view, even though they're getting a rematch at Rebellion, 
which will be interesting. Uh, speaking of Impact, Kenny Omega is going to make an appearance on Impact this upcoming Tuesday. So I'll have to check that out and have a report of that on for next week. But, yeah, I don't know where this is going to lead. And then also the Moxley-Kingston um, thing. You know, they're still in, into it with uh, Omega and the Good Brothers. Uh, I wouldn't mind Moxley and Kingston going for the tag titles. I would be okay with that, honestly. Um, just like you, you know, you didn't know you needed them, but they're the team that you wanted. Maybe we see the Good Brothers finally turn on the Bucks, cost them the tag titles against Pac and the Phoenix. I could see that happening, honestly. They go out there to assist them in some way and end up costing the titles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. So Yeah, it'll be interesting well, to see how they go with this. It will. Uh, don't be shocked, Paul. I know. I know. I know you're going to be shocked here, <laughs> but we, we we saw Tony Schiavone on stage to talk to Sting and Darby Allen. I know. I I wasn't expecting this. Um, <laughs> it Every was nice, week. but Sting didn't say much this week. It was all on Darby. You're right. But- you're right. Because um, Sting was, or he calls them both out, and Tony asked Darby Allen about the street fight. Allen says he's been a TNT champion since November, and he's only defended the title three times. And the crowd cheers. He goes, no, 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 that's not a good thing. He uh, wants to defend it every week. Down, uh, Darby Allen says he wants to pay tribute to the best TNT champion of all time, referring to the late, great Brody Lee, which the crowd just breaks out into a Brody champ. And he says there's an open challenge to any member of the Dark Order next week. Then Lance Archer comes out with Jake the Snake, and wonders how many times Steen is going to get an interview by Tony, which is kind of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. Archer calls Allen a indie-rific joke and says if he likes coughing so much, he's got to put him in one. Jake the Snake then turns his attention to Sting after calling Darby a weenie, which Darby almost broke. <laughs> he almost laughed. Yes. Uh, and he told Steen he better not play with fire, and Arch- Archer is the baddest SOB in the company. He says the winds are changing in AEW and they better pay attention. Then they walk off. Then we see Team Taz come out. But Brian Cage takes the mic from Taz and has something to say. He says, not to you, Darby, to Sting. He says Sting shows up like some hot shot and sticks his nose in their business every week. He then says he respects Sting after that street fight they went through. With or without his bat, he says Ricky Starks is wrong. That Steen is still the same. He's same icon he's ever been. Taz is wondering what the heck Cage is talking about. Cage then walks to the back by himself with the rest of the group falling behind. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're setting us up for uh, a couple of things based off of this segment. One, that right there. <laughs> yeah, Zach Hinton asking if we're going to get a Brian Cage face turn. I think we're going to see it. Um Cage definitely delivered on the mic, and I Taz was stunned. Ricky was stunned. Everybody seemed stunned on Team Taz. I think Cage is going to turn face sooner rather than later. The other night on Dark, Starks and Cage kind of had a disagreement. So this was kind of building a little bit. And I noticed something um, last night, unless I overlooked it, it, was the first time Cage didn't have the FTW title on him. Oh, yes. I, I don't think he did bring that out. So. Hmm. Maybe if he keeps turn face, he's got to lose that title. Oh, Taz will, yep. Taz will take it from him. Yep. Zach also asks, Archer versus Sting or Archer versus Darby? What are they setting up? <laughs> Great question. 
No clue. <laughs> it's one of the things I love about it, AEW. It feels like Archer and Sting. It does. It does. Um, it'd have to be a cinematic match, but I'd be all for that because we could use the scenes we saw when Archer first came to the company. He had a rinky-dink ring set up. I think they end up there. If we do Archer Sting, they're going to wrestle there. But, you know, Cage, with now that you respect Sting, maybe he helps him take out Archer. Uh, the last thing I want is Cage teaming up with Darby and Sting to take on the rest of Team Taz. I am done with that Team Taz-Darby feud. I mean, it went on for six months. It had a good conclusion at Revolution, the street fight. I don't want to see any more of that. But I am all for of a Brian Cage face turn and leaving um, Hook, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks being Team Taz. I'm, I'm all for that. I, I, I like the way Brian Cage works in the ring. Um, I think he's got a great personality outside the ring. So I'm all for that. And I got to say, uh, if and when Cage turns face, he needs to be solo. Do not put him straight with another group. It would not pan out well for his career, in my no. opinion. Get him solo. Get him a match with Lance Archer. Get him a matches with Kenny Omega. There's so many big matches you can get them. And, I mean, this guy was an Impact World Heavyweight Champion at one time. So Yeah, I'd be okay with uh, Cage and Christian. Just saying. Uh, Cage against Wardlow down the Ooh. road. Ooh, yeah. Man, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Even Cage against Hager, even though it looks like Hager's going to be babyface for a little bit with assuming the inner circle flips the face. So a yeah. lot of possibilities out there, though. That's what we're saying. A lot of, there lot are. of possibilities. There are. Uh, he says, join the Dark Order. There, there was an interesting thing. I'm glad you brought that up, though. On today's Unrestricted, they made a hint that the number um, – it's either seven or eight. One of those numbers is retired. The other one, they said they can't reveal who's going to be that number. Ooh. So they're, gonna, they're going to add another member eventually. Yes. Hmm. I think it was seven. I think they said eight's retired in hmm. seven. I'd, I'd, I'd have to go back and listen. I listened to it today, but I don't remember exactly what they said. Because they also said what number Colt was, and I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I just six, know six, seven, or eight. One of them's retired. One of them's Colt, and one of them's one of them's got to be somebody else. So, well, Uno's one, Grayson's two, um, three and four, Silver, are Silver and, and Reynolds. Ninety nine's Anna. Five. Ninety nine's Anna. We've got ten. We've got negative yep. one. Yeah. So, so I'm betting Colt six, seven, would probably six. Yep. And oh. Zach, Zach says all that members matters is negative one. Yes, absolutely. Um, I loved his little segment last night, by the way. Yes. Yes, I, I will hit on that in a little bit. Yes. Uh, we then got a, a quick video package from Scorpio Sky. He says he's done everything he needs to do to become the face of the company. He says that nice guys finished last and that won't happen again. He will not be someone else's stepping stone. He says if he has to hurt someone to do it, so be it. I am all for heel sky. Just saying. Yep. He needed something new and fresh and we're going to get it. And I cannot wait for the, this is the worst town ever segment to come back. Except I'll probably do it solo because of he's heel and those other two are face. Yep. So, uh, then one of your guys here, uh, Angelico is against Ray Phoenix. This was a pretty quick match. It was, Honestly, and it wasn't the style match. I thought we were going to get a high flying match. This was a lot of mat work. 
Yeah, um, Angelico's a brilliant guy. He's he can fly around the ring, especially for being as tall as he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of mat work here, which surprised me. I mean, we saw Phoenix hit a hit a running cutter. We saw Angelico fight back with an elbow to the back. Then he looked for a Navarro death roll, but Phoenix immediately was on the ropes for the break. Uh, then we saw uh, Phoenix go for a victory roll for a two count. That was a reversal into another two count. Angelico hit a uh, big uh, enziguri, then uh, into a thrust kick, and he hit Phoenix with a roundhouse kick, but Phoenix had a uh, knuckle lock into a crucifix bomb. Phoenix gets Angelico on his shoulders, knee to the head, and nails a sit-down pile driver for the one, two, three. Yeah, and something that caught my attention during this match, um, and I didn't catch all of it. All I heard was something about right around Angelico's hairline. So I don't know if they were talking about his hairdo or what, because at first I thought he was busted open. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I don't see anything around the hairline. So I don't know what they were talking about. Internet, I didn't catch that. I'll have to go back and check that out, see what they were referring to. Yeah. Uh, we then got something that really excited me uh, last night, and I'm sure you thought I would be excited about this segment. Uh, we saw Alex Marvez backstage talking with Miro earlier in the day in the gym. He asked him about Chuck Taylor in Orange Cassie's rematch. Miro, sa- Miro says he's not interested and he has moved on. I'm like, yes. <laughs> then we see Kip Sabian walk in and says he hasn't moved on. They ruined his wedding. Sabian tells uh, Miro he should care more. He then mentions how Miro shoved one of the guys into Penelope forward and she's hurt. Miro tells Kip it's the worst thing to have your wife at ringside. Like that little dig there. Miro tells Kip he wants to be world champion and that's the only thing he cares about inside the ring. Outside the ring, they're still friends. Marvez asks Kip if they accept the match. Kip says, of course they do. Yeah. Um, Kip has got to turn, or Miro has got to turn on Kip, I should say. Um, Otherwise, I mean, we already know we're not going to see the best friends split up. So Chuck is going to obviously win. Um, but I- I'm over it. <laughs> Zach Hinton with a comment on Facebook. Miro versus Cornette. Book it. Yes, please yes. book it. Please yes. book it. No holes bars. Uh, let Cornette get what he deserves. I I would go in a ramp, but I don't even want to give Jim Cornette a publicity on this podcast. I can't stand the guy. Don't even want to yeah. talk about him. Yeah, and that definitely was a low blow from him. Uh, don't expect know why. Any, you expect anything different, though? The guy's an idiot. Yeah, I know. I know. I. I yeah. I just. I, I. I don't want to talk about him. I can't stand him. I, he's my one of my least favorite. Might be my least favorite wrestling personality out there. I can't stand him. Him and uh, well, Russo's not much better. Um, yeah, but yeah, I am all for Miro destroying Kip, destroying him, put a rocket on this guy's back, make him the monster heel we need him to be. Yep. Yep. Have, uh, something happen in the match with Cassidy and Chuck where Miro turns on Kip and then Miro's off on his own from there. One thing I didn't have in my notes, um, I thought I had it down here and it might have happened earlier or after the segment. I don't remember. It was uh, somebody was backstage with the dark order and they were trying to figure out who's going to take on uh, Darby Allen next week. And 
they're all negative one, of course, says me. And, it's uh, me. Evo Uno says maybe in about 10 years when you're 19. And uh, so then they're trying to figure it out. Everybody raises their hand except Johnny Hungy. And then so Reynolds kind of um, suggests John Silver. And then John Silver accepts. And then they all chant meet, 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 meet. Um, yeah. So we're going to get John Silver versus Darby Allen next week for the TNT title. Yeah. And uh, um, I- I'm I'm going to – I told you I had a prediction for next week. Silver wins it. I don't see it. Well, you know, I was looking back through things because I, I was actually well, more thinking. Um, every champion has outlasted the previous champion except when it comes to the TNT title. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I would go if this were another company, I'd go, well, you know, Silver did drop the BTE title, so he needs another belt. But I don't know. I just I think it's Silver's time. I like Silver. I like the direction he's going. I don't think he's a big enough star to have the TNT title yet. Just my opinion. Okay. We'll we'll agree to disagree, I guess, there. But I I think if somebody's going to take it off Darby soon, that might be a Lance Archer or somebody a little bigger. Or or Scorpio's going to interfere or something next week. Okay. We'll see. uh, Speaking of next week, we're going to get AEW World Champion Kenny Omega versus Matt Seidel in a non-title match. If Seidel wins, he receives a title match. This happened on Elevation last week. There was a skirmish, and we saw Tony Khan make an appearance. And make this match. Yep. Um, yep. I watched the bits and pieces of that show, but it was two hours. I can't. I can't watch. Ah, uh, that's a lot. A lot. A lot of wrestling to sit through and watch throughout the week. I mean, yeah. I think. Uh, again, I think as things open back up, we'll see these things start to kind of dwindle down and morph out to where they're supposed to be. I think they're going to have to. I really do. We're also going to get Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero against Tay Conte. It'd be nice to see those ladies back on on TV. FTR and Sean Spears with Tolly Blanchard versus the Varsity Blondes and Dante Martin because Darius Martin has is out with a knee injury for, for right. a little while. So that'll be great to see Spears with his new group. I'm excited about that. Yes. We're going to get AWTNT a, a, a champion Darby Allen's open challenge versus Dark Quarters John Silver like we just said. So, um, And I'm sure we'll get some more matches added as, as the week goes on. Yeah. Um... Let's see here. Zach says, why make that a stipulation? Is there a chance Matt gets a win somehow over Omega? I would be shocked, but it is interesting they put a stipulation on there. I think it's just to draw more eyeballs that maybe something will happen. But the way the way yeah. they booked Seidel so far, I'd, I'd be shocked. It, this reminds me of like when Janela was against Omega a couple months ago with the same stipulation. Yeah. That's exactly what came to mind when I heard this. Um, Matt hasn't been very successful here lately. Uh, it's kind of hit and miss with him. Uh, they started that big feud with uh, Nakazawa, and that just kind of died off. They had one match, and that's been the end of it. Um, I'm not convinced that Matt's going to get a victory here. I'm not either. I I don't think Kenny loses until he ultimately loses the title. Yeah. They're going to make him the belt collector and him and Callis the most hated thing in professional wrestling, as they should. Yep. Uh, backstage, we didn't see the pinnacle take uh, the inner circle's locker room. Literally, they removed the group's door sign and put up the pinnacle's uh, logo on it. 
I like the logo, though. I got to say that. It much. is sharp. Yes. Is sharp. So I'm, I'm all for this faction become hated like Evolution was in the early 2000s. I'm all for it. They, they're Although, all, they're all, they're all very talented. Although I gotta say, uh, thinking back to Evolution, I was a fan since day one. So I've been a Randy Orton fan his whole career, so I always liked Orton. But I, I was never a huge Triple H guy, and Flair, of course, is great. And Batista, I liked him when he turned face, or, or was getting close to turning face after he won the Rumble in '05. But I was an Orton guy, but. Um, I, I was always rooting for the faces over, over Evolution. I was also 11 at the time. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were, oh, the good guys always got to beat the bad guys. Yeah, yeah. We then got the main event, Making History, the first women's main event on Dynamite History, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rose at the unsanctioned lights out slash anything goes match. I don't even know where to begin. This match was just <sighs> fantastic. Start to finish the the opening bell rang. It was off. We got a Action. crush a crush to the face. Rebel cracked uh, Thunder Rosa right in the back. Not not in the face, but right right to the back with a crutch right away. I mean, we saw Thunder Rosa get busted open on the on the steps, which I thought we'd see some blood, but I was surprised at the amount of blood we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, we saw Brick get bust. Not only busted open, she was gushing blood. Yeah, like it started mankind, and, mankind like blood. Yeah, I mean, she got busted open, and next thing you know, there's puddles on the ring, and I'm like, well, that happened quick. Yeah, she did that into a ladder. She got the face yep. into the ladder and uh, got that. But I mean, we had chair shots, we had thumbtacks, um, oh. tables. Uh, Rebel went through a table. Yeah. Um, uh, oh. You know, we went up. We we went through about everything towards the end of the match. Thunder Rosa powerbomb Britt down on the thumbtacks for a two count. Uh, while the thumbtacks were in, in her back, Britt applied the lockjaw. Thunder Rosa ended up rolling uh, Britt back on her back into the tax to break the hold. Uh, Britt was then on the top rope, and Thunder Rosa hit a thunder driver through the table on the floor. Uh, she goes for the cover. That was it. Yep. One, two, three. Fantastic match. The only thing uh, missing from this match would have been some type of gold. Yeah. Yeah, I I was surprised, though. I think we both were surprised in the outcome that they had Thunder Rosa go over Britt Baker in this match. Uh, Yeah, I I picked Britt. I'm not a big fan of Britt, and that's not because she's heel or anything. I'm just not a big fan of hers. And... uh, I still picked her over Thunder Rosa just because Britt Baker's signed with AEW. Thunder Rosa has not. Uh, but I ended up texting you. I said, now that's how you send off Thunder Rosa if she's going back to NWA. Yeah, NWA's got pay-per-view later this week. Uh, Power's returning next week. Um, I I I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something backstage that we don't know about. Maybe Thunder Rosa's something. I, I have a hard time believing once her NWA contract is up that she won't be come part of the AW roster. And it, when that day comes, they don't just need to flash it up on social media. They need to make a big deal about it because she's been fantastic for the company over the period of this pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, at first I was, while I was surprised with the result, I wasn't upset because this doesn't hurt Britt Baker at all. No. It does, doesn't even go against her win-loss record since it's a nope. lights-out match. And, and Britt, this elevator, I would say, I mean, she's got another new T-shirt out. 
being all bloody. I put her as the thumbnail of this episode on YouTube and Facebook for us because that's an iconic shot. It's kind of like Becky Lynch's shot a few years ago when Nia Jax broke her nose, which that was accidental. This spot was supposed to happen. Um, I mean, Britt, she's the face of of the women's division and and Thunder Rosa, once she joins the roster, can be as well. And Jade Cargo, if they push her, you got Sheeta. The women's divisions all all of a sudden went from a weakness to – it's it's gaining some strength big time. I I think it all stems back to that tournament they held in the last few months. Yep, and so I was thinking about this throughout the day today. Makes me wonder. They've been pushing more and more uh, their social media platform heels. Yes. Um, is the second weekly show a woman's show? Do you think they have enough on the roster to pull it off? Well, if it's only an hour long, like they're saying, I think they do have enough. But that's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I would be surprised if they go in that direction. But I think there's a craving enough for women's wrestling and enough good talent. They might be smart to move in that direction. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Josh, Joshi Pro Wrestling over in Japan, and people love that. So I think it might be an opportunity for Tony Khan and AEW to move in that direction. Well, and if that was was to happen, I think they would take some female talent away from WWE because they could come over and be more featured every week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm I'm not saying that's where they're going to go. Obviously, Tony makes the final call, and uh, I don't work for AEW. So. <laughs> no, we're only fans uh, doing this podcast for other fans. Uh, where would you rank this among – Dynamite main events. Was this the best main event we've ever had on Dynamite? Yeah. Honestly. You you think it's the best? Yeah. If not the best, one of the best. I would say it's definitely top five. It's probably in my top three. Yeah. Um, We've had some good ones. This was the best female match I think AW's had in general, not just Dynamite in general. Yep. Um, A few other main events that come to my mind. Um, Kenny and Pack, um, Kenny and Moxley two at Winter is Coming, uh, Cody and Wardlow cage match, um, the uh, parking lot brawl was pretty good. Yeah, between the best friends and uh, prep, proud and powerful, but this is right up there. I think this ranks in the top three. Um, I don't know if I'll put it number one, but it's 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 up there. It's 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 a good argument to have. Yeah, uh, definitely one of the best by far. Uh, and again, the best women's yep. match to date. I'm not going to argue with you there at all. And uh, I had high hopes for this match. I thought it would be awesome, especially since it's taped. That way, you know, they could kind of edit things if they had to. But yep. this exceeded my expectations. And it was the Twitter and social media conversation around Pro Wrestling World last night. Oh, yeah. And, and the ratings, um, AWB. Uh, uh, NXT pretty easily last night. It was 700 some thousand to 500 some thousand. Um, the demos, though, both for both shows did their lowest of the year, but the viewership went up total for AEW this week. Um, but yeah, it's uh, man, that was a fun way to end the show. Back to back weeks, fun ways to end the show. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just got to say, you know, hats off to those two. Absolutely. I mean, I was not expecting Rebel to go through the table. She took it like a pro. This is how you pay off a long-term feud. 
a six yeah. month feud. This is the payoff. This was great. This was the um, conclusion of it, or at least for now. Maybe down yeah. the road they heat things up again, but let them go in different stories now. And you know, there was some exclusive footage on AEW's Twitter account and probably their Facebook too. I didn't check that. They got a standing O backstage by the by the other wrestlers when they went through the curtain and. And, and, and Thunder Rosa got interviewed and Britt was back in the trainer's room getting the thumbtacks out of her back. It was just so cool to see how well received this match was from the other talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, during the match, we saw the shot of Sheeta watching what was going on. But she's, you know, the champion and Britt could easily be a next contender for her belt. So she was kind of scoping out. But um I, I mean, this goes back to our who's going to be women's champion by the end of the year. I'm definitely leaning towards Britt now after last night. I believe that's who I picked. Yes, it is. If I remember correctly. So, well, you yep. know, and Statlander should be coming back soon. Um, yep. Women's division, man, is getting better and better. I'm all for it. I mean, it's the divisions. Women's divisions getting stronger. Tag team divisions the best in professional wrestling. The mid to upper card, that's kind of what I call the TNT, I guess, is is strong and then the the heavyweight picture is strong too so now let me ask you this question okay um we've seen anna and ty now have matching outfits or well they were going to until uh anna got injured do you think we're gonna see an AEW women's tag team division uh not in the next year i don't think they want to add too many belts right Right. Um, you know, I had the the privilege to ask Cody um, before they came to Indy, you know, are you guys back then there wasn't the TNT title? And mm-hmm. I said, you know, are you going to be adding any new belts? And he goes, well, you know, we don't want to add too many because we don't want it to feel like it's Oprah. We're here. You get a belt and you get a belt and you yeah. get a belt. And that belts for everybody. I yeah, said, well, exactly. hey, if you're giving out belts, I'll take one. But <laughs> he said, it's- you know, and dragging those things through customs and uh airport security is just a pain so yep. yeah i i agree i mean i i won't say never say never because uh, of course right. they're adding on more shows and everything but i think the next belt if and when they do add one it will be the trios title just because yep. of the amount of factions and teams in in aew yeah yeah uh yeah i think uh it'll happen sooner rather than later uh, Zach's got a question for us. Any plans to re- recap all four shows, Monday's show, Tuesday's show, and BT and Dynamite as well? It's a lot to recap. I think as of right now, we'll probably stick to BT and Dynamite. And if, if anything big or important happens on Monday or Tuesday, then we'll report that as well. But um, we'll see. I don't know. We're, we're open. We're open to changing format. But Yeah. Yeah. We'll it, it could happen. Anything yeah. can happen. Yes, that's true. Uh, so what do you give uh, last night's show from a letter grade standpoint? For a tape show, I give it an A. Wow. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of extra crowd noise, which was nice for a change. That was nice. They've had a, a lot of problems with their tape shows where they just feed in too much crowd noise for no reason whatsoever. And last night, it felt like a live show because they're just wasn't as much crowd noise. I'm going to give it a B. Okay. Um, a lot I liked. I liked uh, the main event, of course. I liked uh, a lot of the promos. I thought all the promos were good and, and the interviews and backstage segments. The opening match under-delivered for me. 
with the, with the Cody spot that, that, like I said, that arm breaking spot just really bothered me. Um, and then the, the tag match between Jurassic Express and Bear Country against Mount Hardy Empire. I just couldn't get into it. So those two things kind of brought the letter grade down for me from a, from about a B plus a minus range to a B. Okay. And I got to say, you know, I was sitting there and then, uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa happened and it helped me bring that up a little bit. Sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, like I said, that's one of the best main events in Dynamite history, in my opinion. So it definitely keeps it above a B minus level for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, wrestler of the week. Uh, I got two this week and I, I texted you about this last night just so uh, you had the heads up. I'm giving it to both Brit and Thunder Rosa. They were just so incredible. Um, I mean, we're going to be talking about this match for years to come. And those two were the ones to have the first ever unsanctioned lights out women's match. Um, make sure I add that little detail in there. So I think these two are deserving of it. Uh, both of them bled a lot of blood, sweat and tears in that match last night. And I think they're deserving of it. Yeah. It's going to be on uh, AEW highlight tapes for the next decade. I mean, made history just being the first dynamite main event for women anyways. And then the, being the first lights out and just the, how the quality of the match. Yeah. Both yeah. ladies are fantastic. They both, they're, they're stardom rose, both of them. Yes. Throughout this match. And, you know, I still, I remember watching Lita and Trish being the first women's match to main event raw. And that was a good match, but it, it doesn't tie the shoes for this match. Right. Di- different eras, different styles. I get it, but yeah. Yeah. But, but I am going to go and I, and I'm not disagreeing with your, picks at all but i'm gonna choose one of those ladies and that's thunder rosa just because she got the win but i i could put brit right there too because they were fantastic uh, for every reason we've hit on um zach's got a comment here eddie kingston has to be a runner-up dude is killing it from a promo to sell from promo to selling absolutely eddie kingston is uh in my opinion the top of AEW almost every single week when he's on there um whether it's just a promo or whether it's a match. I mean, it goes back to revolution and the ring explosion. The dude sold that like crazy. You wouldn't have gotten that from anybody else. Eddie Kingston is a living legend. He's a pros pro overdue to finally get his time. He's finally getting it. He's taking full advantage of it. He's the best in the whole company in the mic. And that's saying something when you have MJF, who's probably number two in the in the company. Um, I'd say Eddie's probably the best on the mic in all professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, even though WWE do have a few that are pretty good on the mic, but yeah, Eddie, Eddie's something. I mean, he was a guy when he came into AW last year for the TNT Open Challenge against Cody. I didn't know too much about him. Right. Uh, I'd heard his name a lot on Twitter, so I kind of looked him up a little bit before he actually made his debut, but didn't know a ton about him. And I'm liking him more and more every week. Um, He's really coming into his own. So, yeah, if, if if I was going to pick a male superstar of the week, it probably would be Eddie Kingston. Yep, yep. And uh, honestly, I think Eddie could probably take it every single week. No, he's always probably going to be in the conversation, and uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing where his story goes next. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot of these stories. I mean, we have a lot of time for the build to double or nothing. Um, and Omega, like I said, he's going to be on Impact on Tuesday, building towards his uh, feud with Rich Swan, title versus title at Rebellion. So that's going to be interesting to see where that goes too. Because I could see uh, 
I mean, it is time for Kenny to go back to Impact and start making appearances on there to build for that. So. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it'll happen sooner rather than later. That's for sure. Yeah. Yes, it will. It's, uh, you know, I think we all kind of know how it's going to go at Rebellion, but still got to get there with some good storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to make a prediction this far out on that yet, though. No, we uh, this past Tuesday I didn't watch it, but I did see a highlight that Kenny wasn't on there, but Don Callis was, and he cut a heck of a promo on Rich Swan. So, yeah. Yep. Any final thoughts? Uh, another great episode. Looking forward to next week. Um, I'm going to try to make sure I find time to sit down and catch Elevation this week. Uh, sadly, did not get to watch the premiere episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, man. There's a lot to watch. It's hard to keep up with. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's great that we have so much, but at the same time, it is, it is tough to catch everything on a weekly basis. We're definitely not the only two struggling to do that. So, yeah. Um, but I will say Paul White did well on color commentary. I think he's got to be really good. One thing I really like about his style is he talks about why it's important to focus on different, different body parts and things like that throughout the match. I really thought that was neat. A whole different style than I've heard before. Yeah, so you mean that's not just a, a video game feature? <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's it's not just the little icon that'll highlight the guy's arm when you're when you're you're beating him up and it turns red. So okay, um, so I thought he did a good job, and I'm anxious to see when we'll see the big man finally get in the ring himself and do something. I, I think it'll happen. Yep, just I a matter too. of time. I do too, but uh, give us a follow on all our social media. You can like us, our Facebook page, um, Kicking Out Podcast. Of course, it's the, the handle on there's Kicking Out Pod. Same handle on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch all these episodes archived, live, whatever. Um, hit, so hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell for notifications. It's the same thing with our Twitch channel. Subscribe to that. We're kind of all over the place. Um, and then if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, please hit subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review. You can bo- follow both Paul and I on Twitter. Paul's handles at PaulZartman921. Mine's at TannerLee92. We'd appreciate the, the follows to our personal accounts as well. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. And Paul, wrap us up. And with that, I'm Paul Hartman. He's Tanner Lee. Join us next week as we kick out yet another podcast.